Welcome to episode number 26 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you find a career you love, start a business, and make a bigger impact in your life. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode, we have Mikey Taylor, who's a pro skateboarder, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and just an all-around great dude. We discuss how Mikey first got into skateboarding, how he became obsessed with it, and really what helped him excel, getting all the way to the level of a professional skateboarder, being sponsored, all of that, and how he eventually grew his skateboarding empire into having over 100 pro boards, eight different signature shoes, multiple clothing lines, so much with skateboarding. Also, we talk about St. Archer Brewing Company, a company he co-founded and then eventually sold for tens of millions of dollars, and how he got into commune capital, real estate investing, and so many different ventures he's been involved with over the years. This was a great interview. Really enjoyed this one. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. Support the show by going over to iTunes and clicking subscribe and leave a rating and review. I'd really appreciate that. Without further ado, here is Mikey Taylor. Mikey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad glad you can make it on here. Uh, you're at the panel at USC for the entrepreneurship uh, like fireside chat, and you had such an intriguing story. Uh, even amongst the panelists we had, and it was one of those things where I had to have you on here. Uh, the first off, though, I have to begin with the pro skateboarding that side of you. Obviously, you have the entrepreneurship side and have done so many different things. But pro skateboarding, like, how did you even just get into skateboarding in general? How did that happen? Yeah, so. Uh, Dude, I was a kid, man. I, you know, I, I had a friend who I hung out with who I thought was cooler than me. So I kind of <laughs> followed the lead on everything he did. And I just wanted to fit in. Uh, and one day he showed up with a skateboard. And I was like, shit, okay, I'm getting a skateboard, right? And <laughs> I, I, I didn't even realize what it what it was going to end up doing. I just thought it was like another fat that I was going to get into and, and then be over. Right. Yeah. And I started skating with him and, you know, he quickly got over it. And for me, it was like, it, I just never got over it. It was like, uh, I think it was so hard. And, and there's a part of me that like really gets obsessed with things like when I'm trying to figure something out and it was so difficult. I think it, it just took me 20 years to figure it out. So like the, <laughs> you know, the desire, uh, or a lure of it never really went away, you know. That's how I started. I started. This was thirteen, so you know it started off really organic. It just you know thirteen to fourteen obsessed with skating, skated every single day. Fourteen to fifteen, same. Sixteen to seventeen, same. It was just like all I could think yeah. about do was skateboarding, right? <laughs> it, it happened naturally, I guess. Uh, it, it became a concern when you know it was time for me to start working. <laughs> you know, right? And at that time, so when you're starting, you're you're obsessed. You know, skateboarding every day. Like, like how many hours a day are you skateboarding? Oh man, I would. So I would get out of school at two, uh, and we would meet up at this like little like local skate spot at about two thirty, and i would skate till it got dark so you know a couple times maybe two hours during uh during the week and then probably six hours on the weekend until it was like daylight savings time then i could get like <laughs> four or five hours out you know yeah and be- before skateboarding i mean even before you got into it were you ever obsessed about anything else like did anything else grab your attention like skateboarding so yes and no, I would get like, what would happen to me is I would get into something, I'd get so into it and then it would just fizzle out. 
and then I'd get into something else and I'd be so into it and then it would fizzle out. So what about skateboarding that made you like, what was, what about it was something that, Oh, you just kept going, you know, year after year after year then. You know what? Like, you know, for example, like I, I like got into biking, right. And like biking's like something that like you can kind of pick up and everyone can kind of do and you're doing jumps and you're spinning the handlebars. It doesn't take that long to figure it out. Right. Yeah. And, and skating was like, dude, you know, just to Ollie, which is like the first trick you learn, right? I had to try that every single day for probably three or four months till I learned how to do it, maybe even longer. And yeah. then it was like the next trick was like a kickflip. Dude, that was six months of me trying it every single day till I landed it. So it was like it was like a video game. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to play this video game and like you get to the end and you beat it and then you're like over the game. Skating yeah. never felt like you could beat it ever. I think it's impossible for somebody to beat. You know, so it was just like that, like constant, like I, I want to get, I want to figure this out. You know, <laughs> and then it was like, yeah. no, there, there's a, there's an element to skating. There's the, the lifestyle of a, of a skater that was really unique and, and kind of, I think, grabbing for me at that time, where uh, it, it was. It was one of those things where it's like, I love the challenge of it, but I felt, I, I found identity in it as well. Like, you know, I, I didn't just skateboard. I was a skater. Like it was like who I was, you know? So it was, uh, it, it was just, there were so many things about it that I think, uh, just consumed me, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned one of your friends was the one who, you know, kind of got you into it. And then as you're you know, growing up and skating, so like every single day, like, did you notice the separation between you and like, you know, other skaters you knew, like how you were progressively getting better? Cause obviously not all of your, your friends went, went pro and everything. Like, did you yeah. notice that at any particular point? So what happened for me is like, you know, I started skating with this group of friends, like who I was telling you why I picked up a skateboard, right? Mm -hmm. They did it for about five months and then they were over it. So like I had to move on to like new friends, right? That skated. Right. Yeah. And so then I hung out with them. And once I, so I grew up in this, this neighborhood. Uh, I was there for like two years and then my parents ended up moving. And the neighborhood I moved into just so happened to have like a sick like skate community and nice. everyone was super good. So <laughs> I went from like being the best in my neighborhood, like the first neighborhood to moving into this neighborhood and being the worst, like the worst by a mile. So like I was the last one to get sponsored out of my group. Really? You know, it, it was, yeah. It, it, like out of my friends, I always felt like I was the least talented, uh, and everyone was sponsored before me. They were all in videos before me. I was just like the, I was the kid that was just not taking no for an answer. You know, I was just, I'm going to just do this until I master it. And you're going to say yes until, you know, you're going to say no until you say yes. Right. Do you think you would have progressed well, the same had you stayed in this, the original neighborhood without those other I, kids? No, no, I actually do. I think about that a lot. I, <laughs> I think if I wouldn't have moved, I don't know if I would have become a pro skateboarder because I didn't even know pro skateboarding was a thing when, when I was at in the first neighborhood. I, I grew up in this, this place, Agora. Okay. Right? Like, I didn't think anyone could get sponsored. Like, I thought you just, like, you were a pro because you grew up in downtown, you grew up in LA, and, like, you were just part of that scene, you know? Yeah. It wasn't until I moved where I saw people sponsored, and I was like, holy crap, these are just normal kids from some obscure town called Thousand Oaks. If they could get sponsored, <laughs> that means I could get sponsored. <laughs> so it made it real for you, basically, being, being able to see that, actually. It made it real for me. Yeah, and you said they were all—they all got sponsored before you. Like, how long was it between them getting sponsored and like, like you, for instance, getting sponsored? So they, the majority of my friends, were sponsored uh, at the age of fourteen. 
okay. 14 or 15. I didn't get sponsored till my senior year in high school. Jeez. And, and to that point, like, what does it actually mean to be sponsored? I'm sure everyone's going to be wondering that. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, what so, company was it? You know what I mean? How'd that work? Yeah, so, so to get, so being sponsored is, is uh, there's a lot of different <laughs> uh, levels to it, I guess. Um, first off, getting sponsored at the, like, the ground level is just getting free product. Yeah. Right? Somebody gives you free product and, and you wear their product because they gave it to you for free. It's, it, we call it being flowed. Okay. Right? From there... Uh, you're flowed when you're when you get on the actual team or like an actual sponsorship. That means that they're marketing your name and and you're getting paid. Okay. So I started getting flowed uh, in my my about eleventh eleventh grade. Twelfth okay. grade is when I got uh, my first sponsor that actually like put my like was marketing me. Right. And and you mentioned like your friends obviously were 14 or 15 years old when they had gotten sponsored. Like, like how many people in your crew were getting sponsored? Was it everybody? Was it like, Oh, dude, some kids guys, some kids didn't, you know what I mean? So dude, I, this is, this was the weirdest thing about where I moved, man. There was like this group of like 10, 10 guys, dude, eight of them were sponsored. It was a great, <laughs> what? yeah. It was really crazy. And out of the group that I grew up with skating, like childhood growing up skating, six of us went pro. That's like it, it was, it was, yeah, it was just like, it was kind of gnarly how it worked out. Yeah. And that is crazy. And how did the, how did things progress from there? So you said like 11th grade or so you get sponsored and then where did things go from there in your career? Like as you graduate high school? So, so when I graduated high school, I wasn't, I was sponsored by companies. They were using my name, but I wasn't getting paid yet. Okay. And so, you know, senior year, my parents are like, yo, like, this is cool. Like. <laughs> You get free stuff, but uh, you you need to go to school. So you need to like knock it off, you know. Yeah. And so you know, I was like, well, shit, man. Like, I, I'm not I'm I'm not really done with this, right? And and before that, I kind of skipped the point. The sponsors that I had, they wanted me to start traveling with them. Okay. Uh, there was like a big Europe trip coming up that that summer that I was going to graduate. So like, I wanted to go to Europe. I wanted to like kind of experience what it was going to be like to actually be a pro skateboarder, but I wasn't getting paid and there was no real money in it at that point. So, you know, I, I kind of convinced my parents or had my parents in agreeance that, uh, that I could just do it for two years, right? Go, go to two years, skate, see the world. And then I'd come back to school. Yeah. Uh, but the agreement was I had to make some money. I couldn't just go do that for free. Right. Yeah. So I basically called my sponsors and I, I told them like, look, like I either need to go to school or, or skateboard. And, and so, uh, if you guys can pay me, I'm going to go skateboard with you guys. But if you can't like, thanks, this was fun, but, uh, I'm going to go to school. And I was terrified to even say that cause it was a full block, <laughs> you know? And so they were like, okay, like, look, we, we, we can do that. So, they, you know, I, I, I was making a whopping thousand bucks a month. And, uh, oh, man, out of high school, not bad. <laughs> Hold on, I got to go back, though. So talking to your parents and even having that as an option, like, how did you present that to them? Um, well, dude, that was the <laughs> hardest part about this whole thing, right? My parents were the hardest part. Like, and remember, dude, back then, this was 15 years ago, right? So it was like you know, skateboarding wasn't what it is now. The idea that you can make money without going to college was n not even in the conversation. Yeah. Right. So like, dude, my parents were like genuine, gen generally like concerned for me. Right. <laughs> but like, you know, I was just like, look, like there's no age limit on going back to school. Like 
this is this is an opportunity that no one ever gets to have. Like, I, I don't want to just waste it. I can I can have both the best of both worlds. Yeah. Right. And and so they were like, okay. Go ahead. Um, so they were just like, you know, I don't think they liked it, but they were like, okay, fine. You have a point, like two years, two years, you know, <laughs> was that negotiated down from like four or like up from one? Like, you know what I mean? Like, did you, well, no, they didn't want me to do it at all. So right. dude, two years, <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I was pushing the envelope. That's a lot. And did you, I mean, to your sponsors, like, were you negotiating that yourself? Yeah. What? Yeah. How did yeah. how did how did that go as an eighteen year old trying to figure that out? You just call them up like, "Yep, uh, I want to get paid." And how does that work? You know what? What I did like back then, I just used my parents as the excuse, right? I was like, "Hey, look, guys, like, look, I want to skate, right?" I tried to make it seem like this is all I wanted in my life, right? Like, look, I want to skate. I know I have a talent here. I think I could be great. I think this is so exciting. I could do so much for your brand. But <laughs> my parents aren't going to let it fly guys. Like they want me to go to school. There's no option about it. Like I, I convinced them that like, if I could make some money and show them that this is actually a thing, then I could do this. So look, I, it's just that simple. Like I do this for free, but I don't have that option. So I either, I need some money here uh, and I'm going to just blow this thing up or like it was a fun ride. Yeah. You know, just it made it easier for, for me to use them than me just say, guys, I need money now. Right. Like right. it's hard to be the brand and ask for money at the same time. <laughs> that was the but, leverage you had at the moment. So it made, it made that, was sense. Lot, that was all I had at the moment. Yeah. And how, I mean, even getting to like thousand or whatever dollars it was, did they just tell you straight up like, yeah, this is the amount take it or leave it. Or how did that go? Um, well, dude, a thousand bucks a month at that point was crazy for an amateur skateboarder to make. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, that was a, like, AMS didn't typically get paid back then. Right. Really? So like, yeah, like I remember when that happened, like I had a, there was like an article that got written up or there was something in like the news section of a thrasher that was like, and I was no one at this point, like no one knew who I was. Like somebody found out that I was making money and there was an article in thrasher, like Mikey Taylor, some no name skater, somehow like one of the high paid ands. It was like this whole thing. <laughs> wait, wait, I, I, why do you think the sponsors did that then? Why were you one of the first people, first amateurs? It's like actually get it's paid. Good. Well, because I think like, look, look at skating at that point, man, like, you know, the, the companies and the company owners had, uh, kind of ownership over the entire industry, right? Like they had this message that was communicated to skaters as we don't do this for money. Like, this is like a family thing. This is for the love. You should never ask for money. Yeah. Right. It was just like, a that was like the overall kind of theme to, to skateboarding back then. Yeah. Right. So I think that just people were scared to, I think one, people were scared to ask. Uh, and two, like skaters typically don't, like money's not supposed to be your driving factor in being a pro skateboarder. It's so like anti that, yeah. that like I think people just get lost in that in a sense, you know? Yeah. And don't realize like, yeah, if you get paid though, then you can keep doing it. <laughs> but you obviously well, had, you didn't have a choice. You had to get paid otherwise you're going to go into school, which was going to really yeah, hamper yeah. everything you exactly. wanted to do. <laughs> exactly. And so then you sign with them or you get sponsored by them and actually get paid. So what was next for you then? So, you know, I do that first year and just life is good, right? <laughs> uh, the next year, the skate industry like completely like, like explodes, right? Like skateboarding is now a mainstream thing. Everyone skateboards, like, 
you know, and, and look, when I was in high school, right, like skating was not cool. Like the 10 kids in my town who skated, that was it. And those were all our friends. Like when we were at school, everyone fucked with us. Yeah. Like we were not cool. Right. And then all of a sudden, three years later, like I'm the coolest thing ever. Right. <laughs> like, because skateboarding just hit the masses. Right. You all of a sudden had kids who like played football, had a skateboard. Kids that played baseball, had a skateboard that didn't exist back then. Right. Yeah. But what happened with that, there was a lot more money that came into skating. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I went from, you know, making a thousand bucks a month to making eight thousand bucks a month. I'm 20 years old. I'm like, whoa, damn, this is cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe there's actually something, maybe there's actually something for me to do here. You know, and it was like, it was that second year where I started making like, you know, pretty decent money where I was like, okay, maybe like, maybe I'm looking at this wrong, right? Maybe there is something I could do here. I don't have the longevity, yeah. Uh, but I, I might be able to use this as like a great stepping stone into something else. And, and, and when I started making money like that, my parents were like, I don't know what's going on here, but like, okay, let's see what we can do with this thing, you know? <laughs> and to that point, like as you're, you're growing as a skateboarder and then you're getting paid actually and you have real money coming in, like how are you managing that? Because I, I heard that in like a different interview, you started investing in storage units when you were like 19 or 20. Like how did that even happen? So so I started making money, right? I'm making like 100 grand a year. I'm like, I have no idea who I, what I'm doing. Or out of, I'm riding a skateboard. And my dad was like, look, it's time for you to uh, – to, to come meet somebody, right? And he took me into his the CPA and CFP, okay. right? Yep. And uh, and he sits me down. I think my dad was kind of confused of what was going on. Like I wasn't making this money uh, winning contests, right? Like I was in the streets, like skating and making this money. So my dad was like, sat me down with this guy, Randy. And he was like, and was my dad's financial manager. And he's like, hey, this is my son. Uh, this is the money he's making. I have no idea what he's doing to, to get it. Can you help him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was like my introduction into like the the beginning stages of of what money was, right? Like, and and it really stemmed from him, Randy, tr you know, me being so different than the majority of his clients, and him trying to like understand what my world was. That forced him to ask a lot of questions, yeah. right? And so, you know, I, I felt like you know, okay. I'm telling you how my world works. I'm understanding how yours does. And and we ha kind of had to create like a really customized strategy for myself because I was so different than everyone else. Right. Yeah. And it just like, it, it, it just naturally forced me to learn. Uh, and, and part of that and that first theory was, look, you make money as a skateboarder, right? That's your talent. Right. This might be the most money you ever make. So what are we going to do with your money while this is your this is your your bread and butter kind of tenure? Right, right. And so, dude, what that really meant was I'm I'm going to live off a really strict budget, and I'm gonna and look, I was making good money, but not good enough to really like kick it. You, you know, go crazy. So it's like, dude, I was making a hundred grand a year. I was living off of seriously like thirty. Jeez. I, it was like, yo, I was on the grind, dude. But but really why I was doing that is so that I could invest into things like storage units where I could start seeing po uh, passive income come in, right? right? Like, and, I, and it was funny, man. I became so obsessed with the fact that your money can make you money, right? Yeah. It was like a new obsession for me just like skating. And I think that's why I lived on such a crazy budget because I was like addicted to like maximizing like what my money could do. <laughs> you know, it, it just didn't 
feel real to me. I like, I, I, I remember being like that young going, this, this doesn't seem real. How do people, like people really get away with this? Right. You know? And, uh, that was the, that was the beginning stages of it. And, and at the time, like what were your friends doing? Obviously they're, you know, they're also probably making, making money and everything. Like were you, were they doing the similar thing? Or were they just like spending on random shit? Like, do you know what they my were friends doing? Were, my friends were living, God. <laughs> <laughs> my friends are living man i mean dude it's like like look like you know we would so so for example we would pull up to a skate spot right and one of my good friends would show up in like an s class okay oh, <laughs> my other friend would show up in a five series right yeah i'd show up in a 94 civic hatchback <laughs> that's awesome you know what I'm saying? It, it was just like you know i was look really at the core of it i was terrified of what was going to happen after skating yeah and I think a lot of people don't realize or uh, uh, or prepare for things to change, right? Most people think like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this now. This is never going to end, right? Yeah. And like I just, you know, I was thankfully in an industry where it was very apparent that that couldn't last forever. But even like outside of skateboarding, dude, like you have seasons to everything, right? So you can't like – you have to prepare for, for the cold and the hot, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's just what I did. Yeah, and, and nowadays especially like – you know, people can't help but compare to others and people are always comparing to others. Like at that time when you're seeing, you know, your friends in these S classes, you're, you're, you're in your, you're not as good car. We'll just call it. Um, like how did you deal with that? Like, was it ever an issue for you to see that and like, well, maybe I should buy more or like, was that ever a thing for you at all? You know what? It was never a thing for me to buy or, or, or to like, you know, spend. The thing that was hard for me is I always felt like, like I should have been of guidance to them okay. and never felt comfortable in being that guidance at that point. I, 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 as weird as that sounds to say, right? Like I wish I would have, you know, like, look, I got, I, dude, I knew what was going on. I knew that shit was going to end for them. Like I knew the path that I was on was right. And the path that they were, wasn't, but I was too young and insecure to be that, that, that leader, you know? And, and, and so that's the only thing I wish I would have done that I didn't. Uh, but uh, I mean, dude, it's, it's funny. It's like 15 years later. It's like kind of what I'm doing now. <laughs> you know? it, it just took you a little while, right, Mikey? <laughs> yeah, it took me a little while. Yeah. And and to that yeah. point, so you, you know, you did the storage units early on. Like, were there any other early investments? I want to get in like the St. Archer Brewery eventually, but like, was there anything else like between like storage units and everything early on that you were investing in or like spending your money on to kind of help you in the future? Um, I mean, dude, uh, well. Uh, I do at that point, storage units, uh, I had money in stocks. Uh, I was investing or putting money in my IRA, which that's a, it's a whole different type of discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But, um, do you know, back then it was like stocks and real estate. Yeah. Um, it, it just, as I got older, um, and, and kind of, started taking more control on what I was doing, I just started leaning heavier and heavier into real estate. Yeah. And, and to the point, it wasn't until like, it wasn't until like I was 26 or so when I started like actually investing into co like startups, you yeah. know, it took you a little time before you actually got into that type of thing as well. I think you, I think I read somewhere too, like villager goods and some other others potentially you were yeah. investing in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we move on to some more, more business, I, I have to hear about like more of your, your skate career. So, what what were some of the highlights just looking back at, you know, obviously what, 15, 20 year career, 17 year career, like what were some of the highlights, events or places you've been to or anything? Like so uh as far as where I've been, dude, uh dude, 
there's a lot of pla- there's not a lot of places I haven't been at this <laughs> point, which is really crazy. You know, like like somewhere like a Spain or an Italy or Europe, like Europe, dude, it's been over. 15 to 20 times, right? Yeah. Like I've been a lot of places, probably the, the, the big, like, uh, like kind of milestones or, or kind of achievements is really like when you get your, like a pro board, that's like the first one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have like, dude, over a hundred of them now. <laughs> uh, and, and then the other one that not everyone gets, but like the Holy grail is, is a signature shoe. Okay. Uh, and, and as far as that goes, I've had, uh, I've had about eight different signature shoes. Uh, as far as models go, I've had like, dude, over 50 different colorways. I've sold a lot of pairs of shoes, uh, which is probably a big one. Yeah. I've had like dude, five or six different, uh, no, maybe more than that. Maybe it's closer to eight, uh, different, uh, signature clothing lines, uh, so that would probably be like the accomplishment side of, of being a pro skateboarder. Yeah. yeah and that, that has to be a lot of fun. I mean, the business side of it, I mean, and you obviously had that knack for it because you got started in terms of at least investing in stuff early on or in the business side of it, knowing that your career wasn't going to last forever. It had to be fun to do those types of, have your shoe, have your clothing line, those types of things as well. Like how hands-on were you able to be with that during your career? So to tell you the truth, like even though I was investing in things at a young age, I, I, if you would have asked me if I was an entrepreneur, I would have said no. Really? I would have just said, no, I'm just, I'm a skater. I'm just trying to make money, right? I didn't know back then. It wasn't until I started, it, it wasn't until I got a signature shoe where I started kind of really uh, uh, kind of discovering this about me that I really enjoy the business side that goes behind me selling products, yeah. right? And And it really started with like, you know, I got my first royalty check <laughs> and I was like, yo, this is insane. Like, how do I get more of this? Right. right. And then it just became, you know, me just asking, how do I sell more shoes? It was that simple. It was like, well, uh, there's basically three things that go into it, right? There's the design of it. There's the marketing of it. Well, I guess at that point that would have been two, it would have been sales and marketing. Right. So I was like, okay, like I want to be involved in this. And then it was like, you know, I started getting really hands on with the design of it. I started looking at the way I skated less about the trick I was doing and more about how I could reach more people that would, that would want to buy my product. Yeah. It was like, I, I started like loving that. Right. And all the way into like me wanting to make the company bigger so I could sell more shoes. <laughs> right. And at that point I was sponsored by this company DVS and that was where I had my first shoe. Okay. And so I was like, look, I want this company to be bigger. I want it to be cooler so I could sell more product. And, and I went into the president's office and I was like, hey, dude, I want to be more involved, right? Like I want to like help with the team. I want to help with ads. I want to help with like the overall vision of this thing, right? <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, dude, like why don't you just go skate? Like I don't – why 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 would you want this? Just go skate. Are you kidding? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I left that meeting and, and I knew that that my time there was done. Yeah. If they're not gonna let you, and so hands I, on, yeah, yeah, and so I got this this opportunity after that for this this company Etnies, and they were going through like a full team rebuild, and uh, they wanted me to come on and help build their team out, right? From like who the people were, a marketing, like the whole nine, right? And I was like, this is what I want, right? And so I went over there. What I didn't realize is that you know it's one thing building out a vision for your company. Uh, it's a different thing when you're doing it for someone else. And I was so young and didn't know how to work with people. I I, I walked into that place. Like, like I was the founder and CEO, right? 
right? I was a 25-year-old skater, <laughs> right? I'm talking to these guys, these these men who are basically you know, grinding over creating product and say all this. And I'm basically going, dude, this shit sucks. Are you kidding? This is trash, <laughs> right? It was not a good situation. <laughs> yeah. Right? But if it wasn't for that. It, it was that instance where one, I realized I have a lot of learning to do on how to deal with people. Two, I need to start my own companies. Yeah. And it, and it was that, that time at Etnies that led me to start my own stuff. And what were those first things then that you started? Oh, dude, the first one was a, a backpack company. Uh, we did a mat, a management agency, a design firm, uh, and then and then St. Archer, which is the craft brewery. How did you decide which projects to pursue? Because obviously, you know, you have growing popularity, pro skateboarder, and I'm sure there's many different things on the table. How were you choosing back then, like which things to even get involved in? Oh, dude, back then in the yeah. beginning, it was wild. It was all right. I did. I, I didn't know how this works. <laughs> right, like. You know, like, uh, dude, every, so this is the thing, right? Like I didn't go to school, right? I had to learn this all on my own. So those early stages were like, I had no idea. It was like, oh yeah, I could do five companies. I had no idea about time management. I had no idea what it meant to do this. It was just like, yeah, I'll do it all. Right. right? And I had to learn that like, yeah, like having your foot, one foot in, one foot out is like a recipe of disaster. That doesn't work, right? Like you can only do so much as one person. I had no idea like what it was like to put a team under you to create, right? So I had to learn that. So it was like, you know, we did a design firm, that failed. We did a management company, that failed. Uh, the backpack company is still around, uh, and then it was St. Archer. Okay. Um, so... Uh, yeah, do trial and error for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think it was St. Archer that ultimately like prevailed amongst all those other things? Well, dude, a handful of reasons. Uh, I, I would say, one, uh, the team involved with it. Yeah. Um, two, it, we were going into an industry that, that was missing something, right? Like we found... Uh, we found an opportunity for us to go into a market that was crowded and have a, a very like kind of, we had, we created a lane for ourselves and we knew that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it was, and I think the other one, I think we all recognize that this one had the potential where the other ones we were just like, yeah, let's just do this and let's just do this and let's just do that. Right. You know? So. so that ultimately prevailed. And you said the, the team, and who was who was that team early on at St. Archer Brewery? So, so it was uh, Paul Rodriguez, who's uh, one of those <laughs> kids I grew up skating with from that original Another group, legend, yep. who became <laughs> the biggest skateboarders to ever step on a skateboard. Uh, and, uh, and Josh Landon, who was a, a surf filmmaker at the time. How did you- and we were the we were the we were the three co-founders, so two skaters and a filmmaker. How did you meet Josh <sighs> originally? Do you remember? So Josh, uh, I had a friend Brandon who ran a company Val Surf, and he was friends with Josh, and Josh wanted to make a skate film. Okay, and he was making surf films at the time, so he asked Brandon to connect him with a skater. Brandon's like, "Oh, I'll connect you with Mikey." Yeah. So Josh kept hitting me up to do a skate film and I kept denying it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want a surfer making an escape video with me. And I kept just blowing him off and blowing him off. And finally Brandon was like, yo dude, can you just do me a favor and do this yeah. for him? 
I was like, fine. So we went down to San Diego to film uh, for this video that we were going to do. It was our first day. I pick up Josh, and I had just met him basically as I picked him up to go to San Diego. And so we drive down to San Diego and like become like instant best friends, right? Like the whole conversation down there is like, we're, the drive went two seconds, right? We were just talking the yeah. whole time. And we were talking a lot about biz- about the industry of skating, right? And so while we're down there, I got a call from a friend who wanted to start a sunglass company. And, you know, I'm on the phone with him. I'm going, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this, right? Sunglasses, backpacks, I'm I'm in. And I told Josh, I'm like, yo, sunglasses, what do you think? And he was like, you know, it's cool, but, like, everyone does sunglasses. Like, it'd be cool to do something new in our world. Like, everyone has a sunglass company. And, And I was like, yeah, it's true. And that conversation led to us talking about new ideas in our, in our world. And when we were going to sleep that night, you know, we talked for the next three hours and going to sleep that night, he goes like beer, <laughs> like beer would be cool. No one's done beer. And I was like, Holy shit. That, that's actually like a genius idea. Right. We went to sleep as much as we could that night, woke up the next morning, abandoned the film, <laughs> drove home, called Paul. Cause Paul was the only person that we knew who invested into companies at that right. point. And we're like, yo, we're going to Agora, meet us at Canaan, pitch the idea to him. We didn't even really know what that meant. And that was the beginning of a year of us basically doing research to figure out what this even meant okay, for us. Hold on though. So with the, with the beer company, why, what was it about beer that seemed like such a, a good idea? Just no one was doing it in the industry? Like, or what, what, well, what was it? So this is what, so this is why it felt like a good idea for us, right? In skating, every, every brand and company is so competitive with marketing. Yeah. Right. Our world is based around marketing, right? So a company believes that they're going to sell product by putting Mikey Taylor on it. That means they incredibly believe in marketing, oh, for sure. right? And so, you know, w- what happens is, is all of us get so good at storytelling and creating a vibe. And so you look at like an Adidas and a Nike, is there any difference in Adidas and Nike? No, it's all no. brand. But we were buying Nike because we thought we'd jump higher because of Michael Jordan, exactly. right? So you look at all these you look at all these companies in our world and the way we market, which is incredibly, in my mind, incredibly competitive, but but good. And then you talk about something like beer, which does not exist in the conversation of skateboarding, yeah. right? But everyone in our world drinks it, and it's cool, right? There's there's nothing lame about it, right? Like there's so many companies that come into skating that are whack. <laughs> Out the gate, they're forever whack, right? Beer is cool as shit. So we were like, hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. No one's done beer in our world at all. We could be the first to to create a skateboarding, surf, lifestyle culture around our world with beer. No one's done that, right? What we didn't realize until we started doing this research that when you went into the beer market, nobody was marketing at all. Really? Like it didn't exist. Right, like you went to the store, looked at the wall, and basically picked something and tried it. Right, there was no, there was no kind of idea or 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 desire going to the market to go pick that specific beer up that didn't exist. Right, so we were like, "Yo, dude, are you kidding? Like, if we can create good beer, yeah, then we should be able to sell in theory because no one else is marketing, right?" right? And they're selling product. And then if we could introduce the way we market, that's that's icing on the cake. This is a win-win. There's no way we could lose. <laughs> you know, that was the like, you know, uh, early on idea yeah. to it. 
So we went to a lot of breweries, right? Originally, we were we were thinking we would uh, contract brew it, so an, an existing brewery would make our beer for us, and we would just market. Um, so we went to I don't know four or five. We had meetings with four or five, six breweries, uh, and we really realized that there's there's at no point can we like we'll always have to build our own brewery, right? There's no there's no margin in it that way. So even if this thing took off. A year from now, we'd have to build our own brewery. So, you know, we realized one that wasn't an option for us. Uh, we started meeting and asking friends uh, if they knew people in the craft beer industry that we could meet with and just basically learn about the team or people that we would have to bring on to be able to do this. How did you get to that point where, like, okay, let's actually do this and we're going to build this and now's the time? Well, the the good thing is, is with me, Paul, and Josh were all like, once we start doing something, we tell everyone about it. Right? <laughs> so kind of build to it. a point where there's no turning back. Right. And so, like, we were just like, look, I don't think there was a doubt in our mind. I, there was never a point where we were like, we're not doing this. It was always, we're doing it. Uh, yeah. and, and so it was, you know, figuring it out, figuring it out, got to a point where we had to build a, a actual brewery. Then it was like, okay, we need money to do that. Then we raised money. Once the money was raised, a lot of it came into the business plan and having to figure out a true strategy on being able to raise yeah. money. And then once the money was raised, it was it was time to go. <laughs> no yeah. holding back at that point. <laughs> no. And no. then from the point of like launching, what was it 2012? I think it was. By April of okay. 2012. And then being acquired by Miller Coors. Like what helped you with that growth during that time? Uh, to a lot of things. So, uh, what we found out when, uh, when we were raising money, it was kind of like, we just stumbled, uh, across it is do we, we had never done it before, right? We, you know, Josh wrote down a list of all these people he knew that he thought would give us money. I did that. And, and Paul did it. Right. And you're looking at like Paul and my list and it's like all pro skateboarders. Right. And Josh had like a handful of pro surfers on it. So we were like looking at it going, dude, all these guys have a shitload of followers on Instagram, <laughs> right? Yes. Like what if like, what if like we include all these people in the story and use Instagram to market it? We won't have to spend any money on marketing, right? right? Basically what became influencer marketing, right? We just like stumbled across it. And so we created a story with that and, and everybody marketed it on social media. And dude, it was like, it was one of those things. Beer had never been introduced in our world. You know, we had surfers, skaters, and snowboarders all posting collectively, which hadn't really happened in our world. And we were doing it all on Instagram, which at that time people weren't doing. Right. So it was like, I think we were just able to create so much hype and buzz around it. And then, you know, you, you go to like the actual product. Dude, we had really good beer. <laughs> it's an essential. Right. It was like, we had award winning beer. So it was like, it was just like, you know, from the point we launched before we even had product in the market, we had a world like, you know, people knew who we were in Spain, in Italy, in Idaho, in Florida, in California before we even had beer, right? We were able to, we had a worldwide reach, yeah. right? So it was like, you know, it, it just became really quickly to the point of uh, we could never keep up with demand. Yeah. You know? And then how did that acquisition come about? Like what, what was like, did they just came to you? Like how did that even happen? Um, there was a, there was a group. So we had to do a, a, a handful of, of 
raises to be able to grow. And we got to a point where it had to be a pretty big one. And and, and right at that point, a group uh, called First Beverage Group approached us. And basically, you know, with the idea of like, look, we think we could, we think there'd be some potential uh, buyers that would be interested in you guys. Uh, Do you guys want to hear about them? And we were like, yeah. (laughs) And so that started the process of about four different brands uh, being interested in buying our, our, our company. And then it, it, you know, we got to a point where a hand, a couple of them put in offers and uh, Josh being an incredible negotiator, uh, we ended up getting to a, a place of a, a, a really good acquisition. Yeah, and I heard in the interview that um, if you guys had been negotiating, it might have been a little different. Um, but with, with Josh, it was very helpful. If Paul and I would have, have negotiated this thing at that point, uh, we would have gotten a third of what we sold for. <laughs> it helps to have a good team then. Absolutely. So Absolutely. after you sell St. Archer Brewery, like, how soon does Commune Capital come into play? When does that happen? So we sold in 2015. Uh, and the, the, the crazy part about this whole thing is St. Archer for me was, was going to be my after skateboarding. We, we didn't plan on selling it this yeah. quick. Right. And, and Josh and I for seriously, I can't tell you how many days it, it, the conversation was, dude, you're done skating. You're, you're moving the family down to San Diego. I need you here full time. Need you here full time. Need you here full time. Yeah. Right. Because at that point, Paul and I were still skateboarding. So it was, a, it was a hybrid role, which was a, a whole nother, uh, difficulty in itself. Yeah. Right. So we ended up selling before I, my career was over, which, was weird as a, a blessing, but really weird because it, it threw off my plan, Yeah, you know? So, so I was like, you know, what I was going to do was I was going to skate. Uh, my plan was to skate three more years and, and ride out my last contract. And so we ended up selling and I was like, okay, I guess this is like overtime for me. Right. Like I'm just going to like enjoy these three years, you know? And then, uh, 2016, uh, uh, still skateboarding, uh, started kind of, uh, being a little more aggressive in the way I was investing in other companies. Cause I had a lot more capital to be able yeah. to do it with my real estate investments went way up, <laughs> uh, but I was still skating. 2017 is when, uh, I got hurt. Right. So I, I, I tore a ligament in my leg, uh, at the end of 2016, okay. Um, middle of 2016 skated with it for the next seven months uh, and was like, okay, I'm going to fix this thing because I'm going to, I'm either going to skate the last two years of my career in pain, or I'm going to fix it and have a year to do it uh, and enjoy it. Right. So, you know, I talked to my sponsor. They're like, yeah, go do it. I have surgery two months into surgery. I get a call from my sponsor, my main sponsor, last sponsor that's paying me. And uh, they find a clause on, on, uh, in my contract and terminate it. Wow. Right. So it was like, you know, that, that my, my plan got fucked up again. And, you know, I, I went from thinking I had two years to uh, this was the I, I was never going to skate professionally again, in a yeah. sense. So that was uh, that was dude, this was February of 17 is when this happened a year and a half ago, a year, a little bit more than a year and a half ago and February of 2017. So what are you thinking at that point? About two years. Yeah, about, it was about yeah. two years ago. Now, I mean. Yeah, month, right, almost two years ago. Yeah, two months from now. Yeah, um, dude. At that point, it was like, 
I was lost, man. I was totally lost. Like, you know, like I've, I felt like for the most part, I've always known what I was going to do or put myself in a position to know what I was going to do after. Right. And this was the first time where I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Like it was awful. It, it was seriously like th- that month, the next month, probably the next three or four months, worst four months of my entire life by a long shot. Right. I, am, I imagine and, being like as driven as you are and like, yeah, clearly you were obsessed with skateboarding and you had these other businesses and then like you don't have something to use that obsession with. Like what, how did you approach that? It was that, it was that the upset, not having something to obsess over was, was incredibly uncomfortable. And on top of that, I like, I always felt really, I've always felt like I worked at being really humble and, and kind of always tried to kill whatever type of ego I had. When that happened, I realized how, uh, (laughs) how much of an ego I actually had. Right. Like, and I didn't even realize it, but it's like, dude, there was so much identity that like I had in being a pro skateboarder. Right. And it was like that mixed with like, I'm never going to be able to skate the way I wanted to, where I thought I was going to be able to. And then, you know, all the way to what, what am I going to do? What is my obsession? Where can I put myself in this position to succeed? Right. And dude, I was throwing darts at a board. Like I, I couldn't figure it out, man. It was like idea after idea after idea. And none of them grabbed me. Right. Like I, I know that about myself. Like I, I'm two completely different people. If I'm interested in it, you, I, I am hyper focused in, you have my undivided attention. If I'm not interested in it, I, dude, I'm very difficult yeah. to talk to. Right. And, and same with, with my work effort. If I'm interested in it, yo, you're getting 150% out of me. If I'm not, yo, I'm scraping by at 15%, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so that's, the, I, I just, nothing was grabbing me, man. Like I was, I was, I was playing around with like doing a coffee company, right? Didn't grab me. I was playing around with doing a shoe company and got all the way to the point of getting uh, samples in China. And I'm, and I, I was like, yo, this isn't for me. It's not grabbing me. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't until this, it was a phone call from a friend, a, a pro skateboarder. Okay. Right. And he called me and he was like checking in on me like, yo dude, like, are you okay? Like, what is, what is going on with you? Right. And I, I, I go down this path of complaining to him, right? Yo, dude, this is brutal. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who I am. I'll never skate. Like what the fuck, you know? And, And he goes, dude, like I get it. But like, I think you need to take a step back and see how fortunate you are. You haven't skated in three months, which means you haven't made any money in three months, right? You have a wife, two kids, a home, and you're not out there scraping to find a job. You don't need to find a job. What are you talking about? Like, are you kidding? Like, do you know, I, I hope I'm in that position. Like, that's a fortunate position, right? So I hang up the phone. I feel even worse about myself, right? And I'm like sitting on the couch going, what the fuck? Like, he's right. Like, not only is he right, but like, he, I, I, I was almost like filled with like survival guilt. That's the only way I can explain it, right? Like, why am I in this position? And none of my friends are like, he's totally right. And, and it was that like rabbit hole, like of trying to reverse engineer my 15 year career and going, why am I in this position? What allowed me to be in this position? Yeah. Right. And, and really it, what I was trying to figure out is how do I solve this problem? Right? Like all of my, no, I shouldn't say all 99% of my friends and peers who are athletes, dude, they have a, they have a, 
million times worse of a transition than I do because typically the financial element isn't in, in, included right. in it. Right. So <clears throat> it was like, dude, once I started going down that path, it was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm in like, now we're talking about fixing a problem that is like so in, in, ingrained in my, in my core because I feared it for 15 years. Like, yeah, I can obsess over this, you know? And, and, and so once that happened, it was like, like everything I went back to, even with like investing in companies, which I still do. I, I love doing that. But you know, when you looked at like the majority of my money, it has always been allocated to real estate. That's always been the thing that I felt felt the most comfortable in putting the majority of my money in. Yeah. And so uh, that that's that's where the the idea was kind of spawned, and and it's been you know from the second I had that phone call with him, uh, my days have been flying by. It feels like I'm trying to learn how to skateboard again. I'm just like con- completely consumed with not only solving this problem but growing this this company. To, it's it's cool. It's a it's a really fun uh, fun world I'm, I'm involved in now. So after that phone call, you get that phone call and you know you want to do something in this real estate to help other skaters out. Like, where did you go from there in terms of like either researching or figuring out what to start or how'd that go? Yeah, so, so the next six months really were me trying to figure out what this meant, how I can do it. Uh, and and in the beginning, dude, it felt real similar to St. Archer. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was going to be a fund in the yeah. beginning. Like I, I thought I was going to be more of like syndicating, syndicating apartments. Right. And, and so how it started was like, dude, I had invested into them. Right. So I was like, okay, cool. Now I just need to figure out how like I do it. where like, you know, I'm not only putting like the investors together, but like now I need to go make relationships with brokers. Right. Now I need to analyze the deals, not analyze the investment. So I spent really the next half a year, learning. It, it was like a lot of audiobooks, a lot of podcasts, a lot of phone calls to people that I knew were in the industry. Uh, when I was on a podcast that I like listened to somebody that I thought was doing well, usually there's a way to get a hold of that person. I'd find emails, email them on phone calls. Like It was like I was trying to learn as much as I possibly could so that I could create it Right was, was my original plan. Um, and then kind of a, a handful of different events led to me going, okay, actually what I want to do is a little bit larger than I'm thinking now. I don't, I don't want to just syndicate deals. Like I actually want to create a fund that represents what I'm trying to do with, for these skaters. And, and, and I actually want there to be a, a business element to it and along with a brand. And, and then it just became like, once I kind of had an idea of like really what I wanted to do, uh, it was very, I, I realized very quickly that this wasn't something I could do by myself, like, like a syndication in a right, sense. And who was the team for that? Though? And who was the team for that? So, so I, you know, I, I built out this whole business plan, right? <laughs> Idea, vision, assets I wanted to invest into all of it. Right. And I brought it to, uh, you know, the guy, Randy, who uh, I talked about in the beginning that I met 15 years ago yeah. through my dad. So he is the one who introduced me to these these real estate investments. Uh, his firm has, uh, at that point, they had two real estate funds. And so my introduction into it was from him. And so he was the first person I brought it to. I was like, yo, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. I want to create a fund. Uh, 
I don't want to have this conversation with you of what I need to do to do it. How would you feel about being my partner in on this? Oh yeah. Right. And so he was like, okay, uh, let me, let me like, look, I've worked with you long enough. He helped us with St. Archer. He's done so much with me. Right. He's like, look, uh, we had a great conversation. Let me bring it to, uh, my two partners and, uh, let's have a follow-up conversation. And we had a follow-up conversation and it was like, okay, look, we like this idea. Uh, let's, let's start going down this path of actually, uh, fine tuning this and building this out. And so we spent the next, you know, four months probably, uh, you know, not only creating a, a, a much more kind of planned business plan, but like actually building out like a pro forma for the business. What was, you know, how much we were looking at raising, where we were actually going to take this thing and how we were going to be able to do it. And, uh, and that was, uh, Dude, that was seriously not that long ago. That's what's so crazy about this. This is, it all happened so fast. How long ago dude. was that? So I had this conversation with them. Okay, let's see. Let me look at my timeline. I got hurt. I had the idea. This was like June. Dude, this conversation probably happened one year ago. Jesus. Where do you see Common uh, Capital going, like moving forward? What's your vision for the company? Oh, what? Like, like, where, like where, where do I really want to take this thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's a great question. So there's, there's two parts of it. One, uh, I want to make, I want to make real estate investing more accessible to everyone, right? Like when you start talking about a real estate fund, you get specific into like, let's say a reg D offering, and now you can only have accredited investors. And it's a very exclusive thing, right? That like the, the normal person can't be a part of. The only thing they can be a part of is like a public REIT, which is a totally different thing, right? There's no like, you don't know the people at that point. It's a, it's a different monster in itself. It feels more like the stock market, right? Yeah. So, so what I want to do with this is I want, <clears throat> I want basically everyone who knows me or follows me or trusts me to be able to be an investor with me without even having to, to, to meet me in person, right? Like all my investors at this point, it's been uh, me in person meeting with them. Right. Like I want somebody to be able, I I want a digital experience through the invest with with the investor, but more so I I want, you know how somebody wears a product, like let's say Supreme, that's like the hottest shit out right now. Right. Palace or something. Dude, when you wear a palace shirt or a Supreme shirt, you, you feel good about yourself. Right. Because it's cool. Like you feel cool because of it. Right. Like I want, I want to create the first real estate fund that, that gives that feeling to a person, right? I'm, dude, I'm an, I'm an investor in commune capital. Like I'm a part of this thing. It's like, these are all the people involved. Like I want to give that experience to an investor and make real estate investing like a mainstream thing that's looked at as cool, not just financially smart. Right. And what's, what's the biggest challenge with that? You think? Oh man. Uh, well, (laughs) the biggest challenge for me or where we're at right now is, uh, one regulations on marketing a fund to a unaccredited investor are, uh, there's a lot of regulations and it's expensive, right? So really it's like, I guess it all comes down to money, man. It's just, it's money and time, right? It's like the quicker I can raise, the capital that we would need to be able to be at the size to convert. That's when like this thing, I think really starts 
starts moving in that direction. I'm already building it out from a brand standpoint to head there. Uh, I I, I would say just the thing that's stopping me now is I, I can't have unaccredited investors yet. Right, you can still invest with me. You can you can still go to our website. You can still apply to become an investor. You can still have that like experience, but it's 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 niche right now, right? Like I want everyone. Like I want I want the dude who started a skate shop, you know, that's like out here grinding. That's got ten grand saved up. I want him to be a part of this with me, right? Like at the moment, I can't have that. So that's definitely where I'm headed. Uh, uh, it's just a, a time and money thing. Yeah. And I know you have a time constraint, so I just have a couple more questions. Uh, one is Avni Intelligence. What yeah. exactly is that, and how did you get started as a co-host on the podcast and everything with it? So uh, I have a friend, Eric, uh, who uh, was a was a was the local pro skateboarder in in our area, and he was like the first pro that like I became friends with and gave me a chance at, at skateboarding. <clears throat> and he ended up going. He was a more he was Mormon. Went on a mission, stopped skateboarding, came back was a pro skateboarder, went into like corporate America, worked for this company, OGO, didn't like it, <clears throat> stepped away to start his own companies and failed miserably, right? Went yeah. from being a pro skateboarder to then, you know, working at this company, making pretty good money to, you know, there was five years of him living on his mom's couch, right? Just start a company, fail, start a company, fail, start a company, fail. And, and dude, he was my boy. So it was like, dude, I was like living through this with him, right? And so he started this company, and, uh, and he, he learned it through, uh, like online courses, right? He learned how to, uh, design and develop websites. He learned how to film and shoot photos. He learned how to edit on final cut. He learned basically everything you would need to know to be, uh, like a creative agency or specifically a social media marketing agency. Right. Right. And I watched him learn all this shit and he's telling me like, yeah, dude, I learned how to do this. I learned how to do this. I'm like, how? And he's like, Oh yeah, I bought this course. I'm like, from who? And he'd see this guy. And I was like, wait, like not a school? And he's like, no. And I'm like, yo, you're crazy. (laughs) And sure enough, I watch him like he gets an apartment. Then he gets a car. And now he's making fucking money, right? (laughs) Like, like, this is amazing. Like you actually like did this on your own. And now you're like, dude, he's like doing pretty well, right? And he was like, yeah, you know what? Like, like I'm so obsessed with that world now. Like, I want to do it for other people, right? And so, you know, I think it was one of those things where him and I always wanted to do something together. I was now stepping away from skating, going 100% into business. I wanted kind of a platform or, or something that I felt like I could speak, you know, what I was actually going through. Because even yeah. when I was skating, like even as I was a pro skater with St. Archer, I never talked about the business side of St. Archer. I was too scared that skaters were going to frown upon it. Right. Yeah. Like I always felt like I had so much to say and never said anything that, you know, we were like, yo, why don't we just do something together? Like, you know, let's do a podcast. Like I want something where like I could like talk about entrepreneurship, talk about brand building. You want to create a, a like really what, what Eric's vision is, is creating a faster way to learn. Right. He's been obsessed with that forever. Like how could he, he loves make the matrix, right? Like, like when he plugs, his, <laughs> plugs it into his head, all of a sudden he knows how to fly a fly a uh, helicopter, right? Right, like, right. <laughs> he obsesses over that. Like, how can I teach people quicker? So, like, it was just one of those things, man. Like, I wanted to do something with my friend. He is so passionate about it. I wanted a podcast, and so it was like a perfect way for us to start a company together and me be a part of 
uh, of his obsession in a sense. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I have a, one of my best friends, actually, he, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out what to team up on. He has his own like piano teaching course and yeah. has, you know, multiple six figure business out of it. And it's like, yeah. dude, I want to yeah. team up on something with you eventually. So I feel like maybe a podcast will be with yeah. him as well. Um, uh, one thing the last kind of thing I want to talk about, cause I think it's really important is just how do you deal with the, the stress, the ups and downs of, of being an entrepreneur, having a family and everything at the same time? Like, how do you deal with that? Um, okay. So for me, uh, my personal struggle is less about the ups and downs of the business and more about the balance with my family. Okay. That, that, that's, that's always been my struggle. I think like coming from skating, nothing ever goes right with skating. Like, you know, even when we were doing tricks, like it was like, constantly trying to find a way out of escaping death. Right. And yeah. and even to the point of like falling, like dude, our like fail to succeed ratio is a fuck thousand to one. <laughs> right. So it's like, I, I think just from that, like I always have felt comfortable in the fact of like, it doesn't matter what the problem is. I, I'm yeah. going to figure it out. I, and I've never had a problem of not moving forward to figure it out. My problem is obsession. It's always yeah. been my problem. Right. And so that is for sure the biggest struggle for me is like not being consumed with what I'm doing and having my family suffer from it. Yeah. Uh, that is by far my biggest challenge. And, and to that point, then, are you, do you block out your time? Do you have certain time like set aside family wise? Is like, how do you logistically so, do that? <laughs> yeah, dude. So look, this is one reality in my situation. There's, there's no chance that I can wake up at six and work until two in the morning. They're not my cards, right? Yeah. Like I get up at about five 30. I, I have until about six at night okay. and then I'm with the family. Right. Um, so yeah, blocking off time. I, I really try to not work on the weekends, which, you know, is, doesn't always work out, but Sundays for sure. I've completely blocked off Sundays where Sunday's just 100% family time. Okay. Uh, that's new for me. Never, I, forever I've been, I'm gone every single second of every day. Yeah. Uh, the new thing for me, man, is like I have the time allocated now. Uh, I'm learning how to, like, even if I'm at home and with the family, I'm learning how to try to disconnect and be with the family, it, it, not just in body, in, in having myself be present to it as well. Right. Uh, and that's just, dude, I'm just, I'm learning as I go, man. It's, it's, uh, like, look, I'll, I'll obsess over this. Seriously. I'll be at home from six until I go to sleep. I'm thinking about what I could do with this business. It's, it's, yeah. it's really easy for me to do that. So it's just like trying to put my phone down, trying to be in the moment. It's, it's, it, I, that's where I have to really work hard on it. Yeah. And I know you mentioned, uh, I think you said like meditation in the morning to kind of help you manage your, your day as well. Is that, that's something you do every morning still? Yeah, I have a morning routine that I do. Uh, and that is more uh, like, you know, I had ki I have kids, I have two girls right. and, you know, I would let them wake me up and dude, when they wake up, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Screaming and crying, it's all over the place. And I found myself like when I left the house, I left the house frantic. Like I didn't know what was going on. Right. So I started waking up before the kids and really started having a morning routine that put me in a place and the same place every single day so that I was ready to go out and kind of win, win the day over. Right. right. 
And I found myself, okay, the kids wake up. It didn't matter if they woke up crazy or not. I was already prepared to handle it so that when I did leave the house, I was already focused and ready instead of like, I mean, do you know that feeling when you're all over the place? It's like, you can't do shit, you know? So it's like, you know, I have a handful of, of things I do in that routine. Meditation and yoga is one to just try and get myself to disconnect. It, it's just a, an effort at getting me to just black out, you know? <laughs> is the yoga, is the yoga in, the in the morning, morning as well? I do yoga in the morning as well, yeah. Okay, and okay. Then, any other workout fitness stuff? I'm a poor fitness trainer, so I have to ask. You, oh, you are? Yeah, I used to be a personal trainer at first. Uh, first career was that, and then transitioned into more entrepreneurship and business things after, actually. Oh yeah. Well, look, man, this is my struggle right this second, right? I've, I've worked out every single day for 20 years. <laughs> I've never <laughs> had to do it after I've just was skating. Right. Yeah. And so I started implementing yoga to try and like block my mind out and like give myself just a, a, a piece. Right. And then I found myself not working out, not sweating and like, like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm fat, but like the dad bod coming out right now, dog, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm not sweating. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm starting to like, you know, add in a workout, but like, uh, I already know it about myself, dude. I'm not obsessed about it yet. So I, I haven't like, I'm not all in man. Like wait, wait, <laughs> Mikey, we'll talk after the podcast uh, about this. I'll give you some, I'll give you some pointers. Cause I, yeah, I really shoot, have a lot. I can shoot send. Me over your number after this, <laughs> email me your number because like, Yo, that's my thing right now. It's like, when can I implement a workout, right? And it's like, I'm already waking up so early that like, it's going to be hard to wake up even easier or, or even earlier yeah. uh, because I'll have to go to sleep earlier. And my wife's already pissed off about how early I go to bed. Wait, how early are you going to bed right now? I go to bed at 10. Okay. I go to bed like nine. So that's why I had to ask. Uh-huh. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. I go to bed at 10. I wake up at 530, right? But my wife doesn't go to sleep till midnight. Uh, so she's tough. like, like we don't get time to spend after the kids go to sleep. <laughs> Like, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to start getting up at 4.30. Sometimes I'm going to bed at 9. And my wife's like, nope. Yep. That's the balance right there. <laughs> exactly. Mikey, where can people go to find you, uh, check out what you're doing and everything else online? So the best way to see what I'm doing is probably Instagram. Uh, it's just my name, Mikey Taylor. Okay. Uh, our company Instagram uh, is Commune Capital. Uh, and then our podcast is Avni Intelligence. Uh, those are my two brands on Instagram social media. And then, uh, with everything we're doing on the real estate side, probably the best place to go to is communecapital.com. Okay, perfect. Well, Mikey, thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Dude, I appreciate it as well. Don't forget to send me over that number, man. I need to get, I need to get cut dog. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's going to happen. <laughs> Have uh, a good one. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.